fundraisers, I'm Don Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. Welcome back to Raise Nation Radio. If you've been with us before, thank you, thank you, thank you for making the show just so popular. We uh, broadcast on 10 different podcast channels. We're on demand at onecause.com. We're live at the Raise Conference. We're everywhere. So just follow the channel that you that's your favorite. So you can um, follow all of our episodes. If you're new, welcome, welcome, welcome. We have something special in store for you. And uh, we hope you become part of our little family here at Raise Nation. So I want to jump in and um, introduce our guests who really need no introduction. It's just a very popular name in the fundraising space. I'm sure you've heard of both of them. I have two guests today. It is a dynamic duo, dare I say a husband and wife team from Inspire Hearts Fundraising. We have the one, the two and only, I should say, uh, Bobby D and Aaron with us today. We're going to talk about events and what happens on the stage and how to be impactful and eventful and all that good stuff. We just saw you guys not that long ago at the Race Conference in Nashville. Nashville, thanks for joining. But Bobby D, Aaron, welcome to Race Nation Radio. Yay, we're here. Hey. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so good to uh, see you again in person, relatively, you know, here as best as we can on the on the radio. <laughs> yeah, 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 on the Zoom waves, um, which is what we use to record um, our shows. So I think the whole world or the whole nonprofit sector know you guys already. Um, you're Aww. such a big influence in our space and do such a wonderful job from the stage and, and off the stage. But we might have a couple people that maybe haven't met you yet. So you go with for the big introduction. We'll do maybe ladies first and start with Erin. Why don't you just introduce yourself, what you do um, for the nonprofit community and anything you want to share personally. And then we'll go over to Bobby. FYI, Erin always goes first. <laughs> of course. Uh, sure. I knew that. Wish. You wish. <laughs> Um, so super quick, um, Erin, I'm a third generation auctioneer. So I got into this industry kind of before it was an industry. My mom was an auctioneer, one of the first female auctioneers, one of the, the top starters, those trailblazers. And I didn't know it was not a women's industry. I just didn't know. So she just showed up every time. My grandfather was an auctioneer. He sent her to auction school and said, go ahead. She's a, an international champion auctioneer. But my mom sold heavy machinery and sort of got started the way most do when you graduate auction school, they tell you to get your name out in the community to go practice and do some free fundraisers. And so they were getting, you know, they'd be like, hey, you have a nice dinner. You bring your wife out. You have some drinks. You get up on stage, sell a few items and leave. It's a big party. And that was the old stance back in the 80s, I would say. And I know it makes cringe, right? Like we're all trying not to cringe. In the 80s. But so here I am. My mom's like, no, we got to do better than that. My mom started working with some different nonprofits. There were about Good two mom. other full-time fundraising auctioneers. And so they would all meet. And I tell you, the industry, the auction industry was like, you're not real fun. You're not real auctioneers doing that. Like it was a really 
big turnaround for the industry to accept that this was a real thing. It was a big turnaround for fundraisers to realize that they needed to hire auctioneers, that there were people that would specialize in this. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really a thing when my mom would do it. She'd get dressed up in her sequin dresses and spent a lot of time working with these groups. And I would go sell raffle tickets or just be there with her. She was a single mom. So sometimes, you know, got to take a kid to work day. And I... Obviously wanted nothing to do with the auction industry because my mom sold heavy machinery and I was like, I don't get it. That's not my jam. That's not who I am. But I went to college. I went for liberal arts. I went for women's studies. I was a black studies minor. I was art history minor and I was a women's studies major. And so I was working in the nonprofit world. I wanted to work on human equity. I believed in human rights. It was a very big passion for me. So when I graduated college, mom's like, what are you going to do now? And I was like, I'm going to, I'm ready. And she's like, ready for what? And I was like, auction school. She was like, what you hate Is there an auction school? Is there an auction school? Yes. Oh, there are a, several. Oh, yeah. Actually, Bobby's been an instructor at one of them, Western College. Three of them. Um, yeah, there's several. They're in the Midwest, usually. Um, there's one in okay. Texas. There's one in Montana. Montana. I went to one in Iowa. Ohio. Oh, yes. Hello. And so essentially, you'll learn how to do that chant, the fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 35 and 45, $50 bill. I can't do it. I've tried. It's so embarrassing. 75 and 75 and 80. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's like so what they impressed. teach you. They teach you to count because when you're on stage as an auctioneer, you're actually. You can't think about what you're saying, what's happening. You need to be doing the psychology. You need to be reading your bidders kind of the way, you know, you can talk to a bartender and say, hey, do you know John? They'll be like, no, what does John drink? And I know everything about John based on his drink. The auctioneer knows everything about the style of who is bidding, what their style is, their energy and things like that. So anyway. Long story short, I decided I wanted to do nonprofit work and I wanted to be an auctioneer that specialized in nonprofits, but that was not a thing when I started. Again, there were only maybe by the time I started, maybe five in the country that were doing this full time. Mom's like, you can't make a career doing that. You can't do that. And I was like, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we are now. Here about we are. Later. <laughs> Having three auction companies and an auction husband and an auction life, but mainly and all and everything started from the auction industry, transferred into the nonprofit sector, realized that the energy needed to be put onto the transformational gifts happening at events, not the transactional ones. Mm. Oh, I we're going to dive deep into that. But yeah, first, Bobby, right. let's now, Bobby. hear about you. Well I did also want to remind everybody that now you have an auction son. That's a great story we can save for later. Um, well, yes, uh, Bobby D is my name. I am a second generation auctioneer. My mom, my stepdad, my two brothers are all auctioneers as well. I grew up on the West Coast and you know created a, a business in 2017. It was like, okay, I'm going to dive full time into this with call to auction and be able to uh, add a, a new energy and engagement within fundraising events. But the where brought me to that point is I was an auto auctioneer for, oh my gosh, um, probably 15 years prior to that. I and did as a, not know that. you did not. Yeah. So that's where I got my start in the uh, auto auction world. And then 2015 is when I won the <laughs> world automobile auctioneer championships, <laughs> automobile auction champions. You also, that is that the year that you won the U S champion? Oh yes. The U S bid calling champion as well. And then the, Attaboy. and then in the ICE, I got third. So 
<laughs> so, so as I was doing this, I was, you know, full on, like almost every day uh, doing an auto auction. And then one day I woke up and I was like, you know what? I really want to make a huge impact in the world. And I'm not sure if I'm doing it in this position where I'm at right now. And uh, throughout my entire auction career, I've always helped nonprofits and private schools raise money and whatnot. And then I had the light bulb go off one day. I was like, okay, I want to do that professionally. I want to do that all the time. So then from there, I started transitioning out of auto auctions. And then I think it was like uh, November of 2016, I made the jump 2017, hopped in full time. And now from- Well, the biggest thing I would say is that you, sorry to interrupt, but you couldn't consult. You couldn't do the behind oh, yeah. the scenes work because yeah, I was working. I was busy at the auto auction that I couldn't have conversations like this at you know 11.45 on a uh, Wednesday afternoon. So uh, I knew that there was a huge need out, need out there. Uh, there wasn't a lot of auctioneers in my market. So I was uh, able to uh, grow this company and come at it from a much more professional development focused, uh, you know, kind of point. And now I'm uh, super lucky that I've got a bunch of auctioneers that are that are uh, working underneath me as mentees, uh, one in Phoenix, one in Tempe and in various others around Wait, the nation the that place. were able to help nonprofits raise as much money as they can, wherever they are, for pretty much whatever their budget is. We've got a solution for them. So it's pretty pretty neat to have that. And then real quick, Aaron and I, we uh, joined teams in 2018 and created Inspire Hearts Fundraising, which is the only special appeal firm in the entire nation that we focus 100% of the events on special appeals and live appeals and are the fundraising MCs and consultants. It's a much higher level service that we provide. And, uh, and yeah. So there okay, we are well, wait, I want to dive into that, um, what, what you just said there at the tail end. But, but before I do, do you guys hold like the Guinness record of the m- most auctioneers in one family? I think no, we should that, check that out. I think you maybe should. The bookers. Maybe the bookers do. Yeah, they maybe win. They have a lot of siblings. And they breed a lot of auctioneers. They have a lot of tall auctioneers. And they're in Ohio. So there's a there's a lot there. Actually, we just made a video on our TikTok channel couple of auctioneers follow us that we uh, got to celebrate Thanksgiving and kind of give a behind the scenes of what it's like at a auctioneer. <laughs> we passed the potatoes really fast. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I want to check that out. That's got to be pretty What was really neat cool. about our families is that we have two mothers that are auctioneers. Yeah. That's unique. It's I don't, revolutionary. Yeah. I can't imagine the chanting that goes on like at Thanksgiving. We got, we got together. We didn't realize that his mom actually had competed in an auction competition that my mom had been the reigning champion of. And my mom put her medal around his mother's neck. And they didn't know, and didn't, and they didn't didn't know, know? each other. It wasn't what, 10 years later, 15 years later until we met. It was meant to be. It was just meant to be. Stars roll on. We found love on the auction block. All right. So I want to go back to Inspire Hearts fundraising. That was you joined forces in a number of different ways um, to form Inspire Hearts fundraising. But Bobby, what did you say? It is the only fill in the blank and let's expand on that a little. The only. You're the only special appeal, paddle raise, fund the need. Uh, the, ask. The, the, the big so ask. The big ask. So we realized that there was a big problem. And I kind of said to Bobby, I was like, look, I'm I'm finding there's a problem here. We're focusing so much on like well, we said, the auction. No, we're focusing so much on the auction, silent auction, raffles, items, items, items. Again, back to that transactional giving. And it wasn't the transformational giving we were hearing talked about in the nonprofit sector. It wasn't the transformational giving we were feeling in our communities. And we realized that there was a huge opportunity here. Now, this was happening. A lot of people would say, you know, kind of when I started, it was like, 
after the auction, people have leftover money. Right. And that's not actually what we found out is the reality. It's not leftover money. It's very intentionally spent money. And we said, we really want to spend time focusing on that. But how do we do that? Because we have these auction companies and everybody wants to know what's the order of the auction, the description of the auction. We spent a lot of time talking about items. We wanted to talk just about the appeal, just about this moment at the gala where we come together as a community, where we make an ask, we tell a story and we just share that moment and we ask for just a heart gift. This is an opportunity to engage with the organization. Uh, I like to call that moment the golden goosebump moment where everyone's on the edge of their seats and they're like, okay, what can we do? And then there's professionals like Aaron and I that are there to make that big ask and say, friends, all right, now's that time to give at that level that's inspirational for you, that's motivational for you and um, raise that paddle and, or you know, make that donation or make that gift or whatever. It's a radio show. Bobby's holding up. We're also live on Instagram too. He's so, so. proud of himself. <laughs> you guys correct me if I think that's probably why you have such great stage appeal because you you just have such a great um do you ever do you ever share the stage together yes. or are you uh, yes absolutely we do and we were actually uh, able just uh 2 weeks ago able to share the stage for a dear client of ours uh, in New York City friends of Karen and uh we were the dynamic duo with Inspire Hearts and we we did we helped them raise a record amount of money in their paddle raise and it was uh it was super fun it was great it's definitely, we have some groups that just want one, some groups that want two. Um, I've started focusing a lot more on MC work. Bobby does some MC work also. So sometimes one of us will MC, one of us will do the fundraising. Sometimes we're, if we can be together, it's our favorite. Yeah. But oftentimes we're booked on the same night and we can't have that opportunity. So we yeah. do have some clients that will hire both of us independently together, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, the couple. Yeah. As a well, I've seen the two of you together. I mean, you really are great together. I mean, you just play off of each other and it's just magical. I think when when you're, you're magical individually, but you're definitely a different level, you know, when, when you're together. So I want to touch on that a little engaged. bit. Uh, I'm sorry, Aaron? It keeps the audience engaged. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. You're great. You're masters at it. So I do want to touch on that and let's give a little advice to our audience because I think it's so, so, so important to look for the right stage personalities, whether it's MCs or auctioneers, that's going to drive those memorable experiences and make it transformative and everything that you were talking about, Aaron. But sometimes we tend to go with the board member or the radio personality mm -hmm. or a celebrity. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're really creating the right strategy right. and professionalism. So if we can give a little advice to our audience, what, why is it so important to hire a professional auctioneer mm -hmm. and what to look for when you're creating your stage personalities. That's really important. I know those are hard questions, but I know if anybody can answer it, it's the two of you. Yeah. Well, I think, Aaron, you've got the best example for this. Um, there's a particular auctioneer that or well, celebrity. No. So, so I would say the most important thing, I'm sorry to interrupt you, is that you have to find somebody that fits your group. That's key. That is the number one thing. So it is important. not one person fits all. Bobby and I are not perfect for all groups. In fact, we have groups where 
we get, we're talking with them and I'll be the auctioneer on it. And I'm saying, you know what? Really, Bobby's a better fit for you for this event. Hmm. You have to be really mindful of what the audience expectations are, how they they act in a room, how they feel, why they're there, what their personality is, what their culture is, what their culture is, what the flow of the night is. There's so many things that come into effect the same way you wouldn't serve the same meal to everybody. Hmm. With There's, the same chef. Right. The, you know, each personality is so different. There are people out there that are magicians. There are comedians. There are um and their stage personalities. I'm not, you know, they're, sometimes they're professional. Comedians. There's, yes, there's like lots of comedians that are now professional auctioneers. And so if that works for your group, then you need to go with that. So I'm going to tell my funny story because it's it makes the most sense. We're in New York. Bobby travels and he's most of his events are Arizona. And so he's from Arizona. Coast to coast. But in New York for me, this is my like, home is a tri-state area. I really love this. This is where I speak the best. They understand. They understand me. I understand them. Well, New Yorkers do have their language, their own. It's a little. Absolutely. We do. We We have our own language here. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a group I was working with and they said, listen, we're talking about this other group and they're cowboys. And I was like, okay, do you think that'll work for your group? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, tell me how many cowboys, you know, in New York. They're like one and he's naked. (laughs) <laughs> the naked cowboy in Times Square is the only, you know, unless he's that guy, is not going to fit your New York market. They were market. chatting with the cowboy auctioneers or whatever they They wanted, yeah. they want, and and I get where they were coming from because these guys are awesome. They're fantastic. Honestly, I can't compete with them in Texas because they are what's perfect there. Part of the culture. Are they perfect in New York? No, just because they're perfect in one area. And I'm not saying I'm perfect in Texas. I'm I'm a New Yorker. Is that going to be received well? So I think what's important is not just their professionalism. And we, Bobby, I think you can touch on why the professionalism is important. But there's also making sure it fits your culturally. It's appropriate. Um, I will tell you, I just lost a female empowerment event that I'm incredibly close to to a male auctioneer. And there is a lot of upset within the industry, within the organization because of that. Um, there's a lot of reasons that they need to do this. And I understand where they're coming from. And I, I'm still a donor for them. I love them tremendously. Yes. That is, it's not them, but they're trying something that they need to try to inclu- have some male inclusion. And that's where their focus is this year. So, hey, let's try things out. It's not personal to me. As long as they're looking at the greater good of the event, that's what's important. Sometimes I get to change the music. Yeah. But when they change the music, we want we want organizations, especially individuals um, that are the ones that make the decisions of who they're having as their auctioneer, as their fundraiser or the person holding the microphone or really it comes down to the person that holds the entire event and the and the future of the organization in their hand. And by being a professional that's experienced and have many, many years of experience, kind of like Aaron and I do, um, we have handled all of the different uh, situations that are out there. Mm. You know, the you know, the the drunk person out in the audience, somebody, uh, you know, maybe the the video not playing or the uh, honoree speaking too long or, or somebody dies. It has happened. But so we've been through no. many situations. Oh, my God. How that's, tragic. A, that's a whole nother podcast. Right. But if you are having a major issue that happens, you want somebody that's been through the ringer Cover. that could save your butt. Yeah, that that has yeah. been there, and they have that professional attitude at this, and are getting paid, and are you know have have that viable interest within that. And a lot of times, a free auctioneer um, 
They're getting paid in drinks and food. Well, like I said in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so then they're, they're practicing. Yeah. They're practicing or they're not vested as much as we are. And then uh, we really pride ourselves and our team on really taking that next step as professional fundraisers and understanding where the event fits within that full fundraising strategy for an organization. And you said it the best on earlier is, uh, uh, you know, when, when they look at events strategically, um, they're able to have some amazing things happen, you know, beyond that. I mean, there's donor development, there's donor stewardship that's within that donor identification that comes from there. And then the ability to showcase uh, sponsor relationships. There's so many elements that are built within that when we dive quite a bit deeper. And for you know people like Aaron and myself, and there's a lot of other professionals out there in the country that do dive that deep and have that understanding and know that there's goals at the event that are way beyond just the dollars that they're raising. Because yeah, we could raise $350,000 on the night of the event, but it's those donors in the room that are going to affect the bottom line at the end of the year. And that 350 could turn into 3 million, could turn into 30 million if those relationships are fostered effectively. Yeah, I think yeah that, a, a mistake um, could be costly mm-hmm. if you, it's that, what I'm hearing is accountability, right? Yeah. If you hire the local radio personality, which he may be a great supporter and may yeah. have a, may deserve to be on the stage. Mm-hmm. And sure, we're not MC. saying that. But we're saying that what, like, I mean, both of you together, separately, you're going to be accountable for all the things that, because the event is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. And if you forget a corporate sponsor, for example, if you're professional and accountable, you know, wait a minute, my checklist isn't complete. I can't step off the stage until that corporate sponsor is thanked. I don't know if a local politician or a local radio personality, not that they're not accountable, but they just don't have that level of, I don't want to say professionalism, but that they're just not crossing all those T's and dotting all their I's there. Maybe more of an entertainment value. So what I'm they hearing is accountability to get all the things done. Right. They just don't know what they don't know. Well, right, right, right. Yeah. It's a job, right? And so this is the big difference. We it's our it's our career, it's our job, it's our livelihood. Our reputation. We vest our free time educating ourselves. We go to school for this. We study for this the same way a meteorologist studies for their the job. We're part of professional associations to continue to develop those relationships and enhance those skills. Like we even said about going to auction school. When we're up there, there's a lot of psychology that's happening. There's a lot of things that are happening while we're on stage that goes above and beyond just what Talking looks fast. like a pretty 15 minutes, right? Like I get yeah. that comment all the time. Oh, it's just 15 minutes. It's really not. It's it's hours and hours it's of years. prep work. It's prepared. It's what's happening after we get off stage. There's I get donations after I'm off stage for the organizations that go exceedingly big. I get board members to join. Mm-hmm. So what are the goals? We're working with them bigger. And the other thing I would say is that everybody's getting paid somehow. Right. Nobody does anything for yeah. free. So oh. why are they doing it? If it's for free, then they're doing it for the accolades. They're doing it for the love. They're doing it for the free drinks. They're doing it for the support. They're doing it to get their name in the community. There is always an end goal for everyone to do everything. Mm-hmm. So why not know, hey, the end goal is this check. Now I can use them however I want, not wondering what what is that person's ulterior motive? Risk is another big thing, too. It's like, are you willing to risk those big dollars on that night of? You can really mitigate your risk by hiring a professional that has done that dozens, hundreds, thousands of times that they 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 have that experience within that. 
And you can tell yeah. them what to do, what you want them to do. Right. Right. And, and not only that, but you could, you could collaborate. I was just going to say exactly. that you, right, a nonprofit right. can tell you exactly what they want with no hard feelings. Right. And you can come back and say, well, I'd like to recommend this. And then you have some really good collaboration. And I love the fact that there's so much education that goes behind being a good <laughs> charity benefit auctioneer. But I also love something special about the two of you. You also like to educate the nonprofit community. You're yeah. constantly consulting out there. I remember being on a panel with you guys in New York a couple of years ago. That's where I first met you yeah. face to face. And you were on a panel. You do just as much work to help educate the nonprofit community. I know, Bobby, you and I and our teams are talking about a workshop in, in, in the new year which is super exciting, but you're yep. always trying to help the nonprofit world seek better opportunities to increase their impact. So let's talk about that. You're, you're always so, 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 so busy. What, what are you doing in that area? So talk about raise, huh? like raise, like oh, yeah. how we were like raise. Yeah. Right? The prep all, work. Mm-hmm. All epic. learning at raise, right? Yep. Like Bobby and I go to learn as much as we go to help others, we really go to learn so that we can be better and share that information. Yeah, and that's what we're really about is sharing that information. Um, shameless plug here. Uh, we do have a podcast as well. Check us out everywhere podcasts are called Heart of the Gala. And all this this information and these ideas and these philosophies that we have about fundraising, we share there and we also bring in industry experts to hear, you know, their experiences and their ideas within that. And, and you know, we've been putting, I think we're 22 episodes this year. Uh, we're moving into year two here in 24, and we're really excited. We got some great guests that are coming up, but it's really about that education. And then in 24, uh, we're, I don't even, if you know about this, but we're creating a monthly webinar series talking specifically about the paddle raise and talking specifically uh, about that live ask at the event, because there are so many questions that come out there. And, and it's not just nonprofit professionals. It's also fundraising professionals that want to know how to do it better. So we can't just yeah. keep our knowledge in here. We got to get it out here. Okay. So what's the name of the podcast again? Heart of the Gala. Heart of the Gala. We're going to get love. all of these links and we'll put them in the show notes if that's okay with you. Yes. All of these resources and links to the podcast also, and to your website. We'll get it all out there in the show notes. So on the thing you got to know about Bobby and, and I will say he does this more than me. He loves loves, loves to teach people. Yes, I do. He wants to share his information. If you gave him an opportunity. So if anybody's listening to this and they want to study, they want to consult. They need a speaker they want at a conference. Anything where Bobby can help share his information. He feels he has too much information. He wants to share it endlessly. He teaches at auction schools. He mentors people. He loves doing that. It's, you know, just part of his DNA. Like he should have been a professor, but I guess you kind of are. I kind of am. I, you take love that. Thank you. I know. Thank you. So That's where did Bobby D come from? Where, where did we get the, the, stage name Bobby D is it well is you know as- it, it was it was early on in my career that uh, I I finally decided that I wanted to be an auctioneer because I never wanted to be an auctioneer and uh, D is actually I'm going to kind of build beans here is my tax name this dad's starts name. my dad's name and my tax name <laughs> <laughs> is uh, the, the first initial starts with a D and uh, when you're going to elementary school in like 1997 then there's the show called Dennis the Menace on cartoons all the time. And guess what you get called when you're in third grade? 
dentist Dentist. all the time. So anyways, move schools. My mom's like, you don't have to be dentist anymore. Let's help, help you find who you really are. And let's, you know, you pick your name. And I'm like, oh, I like Bobby. Bobby's a good name. So then I, I pick that. And then I'm an auctioneer and I'm like, well, you know what? Bobby D's a good auctioneer name. And now when everybody asks me, I don't know you as anything else. It's just Bobby D. Everybody asks what the D's stands for. And I will say it's for donations or dollars. Of course it is. There you go. Oh my God, that's so funny. All right, so let's talk about some success stories that you've seen and maybe um, share the success and why you think it was successful. For people who are listening, they want to know what's going on out there and how they can do it too. So let's well, share some here success at the end stories of- and the why. Yeah, we're here at the end of the season and uh, in, you know, we're here in December recording this and you know, looking back on you know 2023, uh, like 60 some percent of our events that we did were paddle raise only. And with that, there were organizations that were looking to evolve beyond just what they've had before, you know, kind of the standard old gala. They're like, we want something different or they wanted a shorter style of fundraising event. Um, so we've really uh, perfected the 90 kind of the 90 minute anti gala where it's uh, it's it's quite a bit different. And in there is the, you know, the paddle raise paddle raise only live ask, however it is, you know, is, is happening in there. Um, so I would say that that would be one of the biggest successes that we're seeing is that we are educating that there is uh, more to play within events. There is that transformation that's available. So having those conversations kind of been my success, Aaron, I, I know you've kind of got one at the, the tip top of your head. I don't, which one is on the tip top of my head? The, the million dollars. Oh, my million dollar gala. Yeah. Okay. That's a tip top one. So, um, it's funny. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to think about this year's galas. There's been a lot of different changes. You know, like Bobby mentioned, I would say most of my events are appeal only. Um, I've kind of personally, this is a personal share, but I've sort of been looking at more, had to be more of a motivational speaker during that moment. Um, it's not just about the money. It's more motivation in the organization. And so more keynote speaking at an event inter interrelated with the ask. Um, it's beautiful. Thank you. That's my it's my superpower. I will be very honest. I would say the funnest part of that is knowing the appropriate amount of time. Maybe this goes back to hiring professional, knowing the appropriate amount of time to ask for money, how long you have to continue asking. I'm actually going to share that story. I think it's a little bit more important. So one time I got up and I have I have I'm very comfortable. Everybody asks about the awkward silence. I don't have it. It's not in my DNA. Never had it. it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm good. Give me the awkward and I'll just make it fun. So I have asked for all sorts of things and, um, I did go off, off the notes for an event and asked if I'd get anybody at a million dollars and lots of giggles. And then I said, well, well, you know, somebody shout something out. Somebody shout out a hundred thousand, which was phenomenal. The gala was, you know, our highest gift we expected was 25,000. So it was just an amazing, you know, moment. And then the next person gave 42,000. So I like to encourage people in a room to give at their own levels. I like to, this is just my antics and I like to play around and I get people to shout things out. So we always have our preset numbers in an ask, you know, where we're going to ask, who we're going to ask, what the levels are going to be. But I like to encourage a room to get vocal with me to keep the energy up. It's a two way Um, conversation. It's not just you presenting or asking. It's the audience. I get that for sure. Yeah. 
We've recently started to include some music during that moment, uh, which has been really fun. I had an event recently. They started playing We Are Family during my ask. Family. As I'm like, not during the powerful moment of the mission, but more at, you know, the $250 level where everybody's cheering and giving. And it really is a lot of inclusion. Anyway, back to my other story. Uh, I did have somebody, I got down to 42,000. And I said, all right, is there anybody else, you know, about to start my real ask at 25? And somebody raised their hand and said, I'll do a million. No. Yep. Out of nowhere. We didn't know that she had just inherited a lot of money. And she said that if I, meantime, the development team is like running and swarming her. Um, And she said, if I hadn't asked, she wouldn't have known it was an opportunity. And she was excited. Wow. So yeah, that was amazing. But here's, this is the best for, you know, we hear that as a, as a community, we're like, that's amazing. But here's the trouble with that. I haven't started asking the room for money yet we've just like passed their goals like surpassed everything um i will say this is an opportunity that i was glad we didn't have one of the thermometers up there because it would have stopped our giving um but what i did is i'm walking back to the stage after hugging her and thanking her development teams talking to her and in my head i'm going "Uh uh-oh uh oh, pivot, pivot. Because nobody's going to want to give. Nobody's going to yeah, want to give. Yeah, what yeah. do I do? So I turned on my heels and I looked her in the face. And now nobody can really hear what she's saying, right? Because there's a huge audience of people. And I looked at her in the face. And I said, "Do you want me to stop? Stop fundraising?" I just looked at. Her. I was like, "Do you want me to stop?" And she was like, "Well, no, right? Like, of course not. She doesn't want me to stop. She wants us to raise more money." And I was like, "She's challenging us. She wants us to match her." Let's see what this room can do. Brilliant, Erin. Oh, I was Uh trying to figure out. That's why I'm not an auctioneer. Okay, what did Erin do? How did she handle it? And you decided that in a split second? Split second. It it saved because I will tell you like that. That's why you hire a professional is like those moments of because how do you come back? Like, how am I going to give a hundred dollars when she gave a million? That doesn't feel good. I made the audience to do another million. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's that oh impromptuness that, again, that professional brings, but also somebody like Aaron, who has the we call it the spidey sense of being able to truly read the energy in a room and and <laughs> what's happening and being so self-aware and of, of the influence that you have on the direction of an event. And you're always aiming towards Brilliant. what's going to be best for the client and not just it was again. the high heels, though. I, I think if you Thank didn't you. have high if it, you didn't have high heels on, you wouldn't well, have thought my that. My high heels have made more money for nonprofits than anything else I I've ever done. I get that. I so get that, Aaron. It is so 100% good. true. It's the funniest thing. I have gotten people to give in the appeal just because they want to talk to me about my shoes. Yeah. You know, put your <laughs> high heels on and drive impact. Sorry, Bobby, but like, you well, know, and, and if hey, I, I got to have good shoes, too. Well, and if I'm pitching <laughs> with a client, if I'm talking to a client, I will tell a client the same thing. My my saying is the higher the heels, the more they spend. Yeah. I know it's true. Because of an event, Get people are dressed up out. in their high heels versus their flip flops. They're going to spend more money. I know. I think it, I think it's a true thing. It, it, Yeah, I'm not debating that at all. <laughs> all right. I think we have time for one more question. And I'd be remiss to ask about technology at events, right? Uh, Pro, 
I'm going to give you two choices, pro or pro. No kidding. Yeah, no, 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 Don, I'll be a hundred percent. I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. It's one of the things that in 24 is we were requiring with the organizations that mm-hmm. we're working with. A lot of times they're trying to save money and try to DIY it. And we're just going to be like, no, you have to hire a professional technology team that has that tech behind them that they can get all of the information. We can do the most effective and efficient fundraising on the night of, but then having that follow-up information immediately and able to uh, accept that payment quickly. And, and it's really about friction. And by working with a, a tech company like OneCause, you are able to make that friction so much less. And it's really about donor and guest experience at the gala. And that's a that that that's a, that's a big component of it. I mean, you don't go to a five-star restaurant and then you hand them your, your black card and then they come back and they're like, well, no, this doesn't work. Or uh, we're just going to type in the numbers or whatever. No, they, they don't. They don't do that. But if you have a professional professional technology team, then it it just makes it so much easier to get the info and to get the money. That's key. Get the money. Because experience is all the way around, right? The fundraising event is not the means to an end. It's the means to the beginning and cultivating all of those guests into lifelong, you know, donors. And, and we know that many attendees got their tickets from a boss or a friend and might not have alignment coming in, but we sure do want them to have alignment coming out. And it's part of that experience. So what you deliver on the stage, what one cause delivers in tech and what we all deliver together is super important to make it transformative. It's it's a vendor collaboration. I love that. I'm going to pause in real quick and say that we will, if you are listening on the podcast and you call us and you're working with one cause, we'll give you a discount because we know that you are doing better and your event doing it right. Good. We're going to drop that in the show notes. I'm going to put it in writing. Okay. They heard you in the podcast and they're, and their partner with one cause will give them a discount this year because we think it's that important. When uh, my mom first started, she would bring her own computer program because there was no one cause and she would set up her own system to try to do this. And we have seen the growth that has happened and the organization. And I got to tell you, I want people to spend money and feel good spending money. And they can't do that if you're using a knuckle buster. Yeah. Remember those things? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> we are, we need to close this episode with a little like, we are fans. I can't sing. Somebody else sing. Get those uh, paddles up in the air. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We, we are, are family. family. And we're, we're going to. People uh, that care. Oh, my God. Oh, See how fast Bobby. you are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Too much. Right in the fields. Too much. I'm going to ask the raise committee if we can get on stage and the three of us do a little trio there. I'm sure we'll be like, I think that would be good. I can't wait to be there again. We had so much. Oh, yeah. And you guess what, Aaron? You know where they are in in 24? No. Back in Nashville. Nashville. Oh, good. Love it. Yeah. So good. I bought, have to see it. I bought shorts with fringe. I couldn't get a jacket, but I bought the shorts. I know they sold out of that cool jacket. I think next year we need a rockin'. I, I want to sell jacket. one. I want to, yeah, we're going to auction one off next year at Raise. Be there, be square. Well, I'm sure I'm going to see you before then, Bobby. Yeah, we absolutely. have some things to do in, in New York and some workshops and all that fun stuff. So you promise me you'll stick around. And as we need you, you know, we'll get you on the podcast or mm-hmm. wherever we need you. Um, it's always such a pleasure. You guys just, I mean, I'm going to be singing We Are Family all day today. Yeah. 
Yeah, John, thanks for, thanks for having us. You've got to be a guest on our podcast and we can dive way deeper and, you know, hear your uh, your perspective from fundraising from the technology point of view. I think that that We'd would be love a solid. to join you. And I'm going to get all those links on our show notes, it. too. Yeah, yeah sounds awesome. like a plan. Well, Thank fearless you. fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic, your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 p.m. That's Thursday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. There's about 115 of them. And as I mentioned earlier, follow your favorite channel because we're everywhere. And you can get um, uh, notifications about our new guests and new episodes. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use digital fundraising solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Check it out, onecause.com. And please visit the resource tab on the homepage. There is a broad catalog of content, all free, that hopefully you'll find helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guest, Aaron and Bobby D from Inspire Hearts Fundraising, just for being with us today, spending so much fun time and authentic voice. Thank you so much. I so enjoyed our conversation, but I have to ask because we ask all of our guests when we're going to go same order, Aaron and Bobby D, any last words of inspiration? Inspiration. There's a quote that says, but what if I fall? And it's, oh, but, but darling, fly? but yes. darling, what if you fly? I love that. Do you know, honest to God, it is sitting about five feet from me in no. on a little plaque in my it's office. In mine too. It's that in my room. It's quote. in my office. Yep. So yeah, I love Bye, that babe. quote. One of my favorites. Okay, Bobby D, you. Last I'm, I'm just going to invite the the audience to aspire to inspire. You have a, a big... Uh, opportunity in front of you and it's okay to take a little bit of a risk and it's okay to think bigger and bolder because the bigger and bolder that you think and the actions you take the bigger impact you make in the world so aspire to inspire Aspire to inspire and there you go inspire hearts fundraising it Mm -hmm. all ties together well thank you again so so much i really appreciate you spending some time with me today thank you for having us we'll see you soon happy new year Love you guys, too. That's a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. Oh.